1: Live from Liverpool, The Dark Paranormal, Season 13. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal, Episode 9, Season 13. Yes, it's the penultimate episode of this season which means we're already stirring down the barrels of season 14. Now, as I've said before, every slot is currently filled for season 14, but if you have a true paranormal experience that you believe would suit the Dark Paranormal, then by all means send it over. Contact at thedarkparanormal.com. I always make sure to have one or two, maybe, episodes within the season, so if something comes along which just takes my breath away, I can slot it in. So if you believe you have one of these paranormal experiences, that has the potential to take not only mine, but all of our wonderful listeners' breath away, then do email it in immediately. And surprisingly, it's one of these last-minute entries that will feature as our main finale episode. When I receive submissions, I tend to lay them all out. I literally will print them off, lay them out, and I will plan the season ahead. And normally I'll work backwards from the finale. But this was just too good. Meaning this season's original finale has been moved into next season. And not even as next season's finale... So, I know I say this each and every season, and I hope I continue to say it, but next season looks to be one hell of a season. Especially if we're having finale episodes, featured as part of our normal 10 programme season. But first, we have the not-so-insignificant matter of today's episode. Today's penultimate episode asks so many questions of us, it's untrue. We have everything within this experience, we have tragedy, we have attachments, we have poltergeist activity, you name it and I think we have it, all emanating from a very old house in Northern England. But before we reach our penultimate episode for Season 13, I of course need to thank our wonderful new team members over at Patreon. When you join our team over at Patreon, not only will you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, not only that, but you can also gain access to our Patreon-only show, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is a show which comes out each and every week of the year, even on the downtime between seasons. And as after next week's finale, we take our standard three-week break, it means our Patreons don't miss their weekly paranormal fix. As each and every Sunday, our Patreons will receive a 30-minute paranormal podcast looking at some of the shorter stories which have been sent to the show. On top of that, there is the entire Dark Bites back catalogue, which I think numbers over 50 hours' worth of shows, solely for the ears of our Patreons. And, of course, speaking of finales and premieres, Our Patreons will receive those episodes before everyone else. We have built our wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon. And we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation to join just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like the following wonderful new team members have. James Dalgarn, Liam Nielsen, Melissa Lambert, Tempest, Haley Perkins, Lauren Knight Monk, Claire Thompson, Sherilyn Houston, Brian Miller, Amanda, Becky Adams, Debbie Woods, Jordan, Christian, Dan Chapman, Courtney Fado, Melissa O'Connor, Arta, Jeremy Kelly, Daniela Vincent, Tatoshka Art, Chris Hansen, Cade Conrad, Claire Vine, Karen Hague, Charlie M, Francis, Emma, Tyrell D. And Melissa V. Thank you so much for the support, guys. It truly means the world. And if you're thinking of joining Patreon, now is literally the perfect time to do so, because it's that cusp period where you will get early access to the finale, then Dark Bites during the downtime, and early access to the premiere episode of Season 14. Also, that back catalogue of over 50 hours of Dark Bites episodes should keep you going through those three weeks of downtime. So, if you'd like to give yourself an early Christmas present, head over to patreon.com forward slash Paranormal. But right now, for the penultimate time this season, lower the lights, make yourself comfortable and, of course, leave your disbelief at the door, as we hear all about Daughter of Darkness. I've been a listener of your podcast for over a year now, and every time I listen to one of your episodes, I feel called to share my own experiences. Today, as I drove home from work, I decided today would be that day. The day I would gather my memories and get in touch with you. For the sake of anonymity of the other people I will mention in this email, I've changed their names. I'm really not sure where to start and I'm certain I won't be able to put things as eloquently as others. However, I will try my best. I suppose it would make sense to start with my first encounters, which all took place at my family home in Newcastle, UK. I grew up in an old Edwardian terraced house. It was a wonderful home, however, due to its nature... It was cold and eerie. There has always been something about that house. My parents blamed my imagination, but I could never shake the feeling I was being watched. During the day, I was okay, especially if I knew others were in the house. But at night, it was different. The house was dark, confined. Sometimes it felt suffocating. I would always see figures in the corner of rooms when the lights were off. I'd see shadows out of the corner of my eyes moving towards me. I would always shake this off, hearing my parents' voice in my head saying, it's just your imagination running away with you. It wasn't just me, though. Every single friend I brought over to this house also said they felt frightened, as if we weren't alone, as if something could charge towards us from the darkness at any moment. The landing at the top of the stairs was particularly terrifying. Once you reach the top, You were at a dead end. And you could turn left to go to my sister's room and towards the door which led to the third floor. Or you could turn right towards my bedroom and the bathroom. The second my feet would walk up those stairs, I could sense something lingering in that corridor, waiting. Waiting for me to reach the top. "'so it could grab out at me. "'Sometimes I would swear I would hear muffled footsteps following behind me, "'but of course when I would turn around, nothing was there. "'I was so terrified that I couldn't sleep in my own bed "'until I was about ten years old. "'I insisted on sharing a bed with my dad. "'Rather embarrassing, I know,' but the level of fear I would feel at night would make my heart hurt. My heart would thump out of my chest until I could feel my pulse in my brain. On the occasions I would manage to fall asleep, my mind would be filled with nightmares of all kinds, but nightmares that were far too graphic and intense for a young girl to be dreaming of. As I grew, these nightmares began depicting a lady. A lady not from modern times. She had a very stern face. And in my nightmares, I would try to avoid her gaze at all costs. But she would slowly follow me around the house, her eyes never leaving my movements not even to blink. I would eventually run into the room where my parents were and I'd tell them a woman was coming after me. In my nightmare, however, my parents would ignore me like I wasn't there. Even when I would stand right in front of them and wave my hands to get their attention, they would look right through me, silent, indifferent, One night, the nature of these nightmares changed. This time, I had to follow her. Although I was terrified, I felt like I had to follow her, as if a magnet had connected me to her, and she was pulling me towards her. She guided me upstairs into my room, but... It looked completely different. A four-poster bed with satin maroon curtains centered the room. And on that bed, a woman was giving birth. I have tried and tried, but I can't remember her face. I only remember her screams as she pushed and pushed and pushed. She gave birth to this baby and immediately it was taken away from her. I felt as though I was being pulled away from myself. And as I left this nightmare and regained consciousness, I could hear the echo of this woman calling out, No! My baby! No! I woke up sweating and distressed. And from that moment on, my bedroom didn't feel like my bedroom anymore. At times, I wouldn't feel welcome in my bedroom. Toys would move from where I'd last placed them. And sometimes, the room would instantly go cold. So cold, I could see my breath in the air. I'm not really sure where to put this part of my experience, but I'll type it here and let you place it where you think it fits. At home, there was our cupboard under the stairs, and it was the most terrifying place in the entire house. Friends would make the mistake of hiding there during games of hide-and-seek, and it would be mere seconds before they would run out screaming, saying they heard a voice, or felt something touch their back or their shoulder. I'd made that mistake once before too. I was hiding to prank my parents, and to ensure they wouldn't see the light under the door, I turned the light off inside the cupboard. Everything was fine until the air grew instantly cold and I could feel my body start to shiver. Not just my body, but my bones. I felt as though there was a giant entity covered in a thick blanket of darkness hovering over me, like some kind of canopy, touching only the tips of my hair fibres and making them stand up on my skin. And then I heard a voice. A voice which sounded like 100 different whispers. So quiet you could barely hear them, but enough in quantity to know the sound was a collection of voices. I could feel my head ducking down into my neck and I cowered in fear, tucking my body into my arms and squeezing my eyes shut. I reached out and found the handle and attempted to twist it open, but it wouldn't budge. I kept trying as the voices grew louder and louder until one spat... They don't love you. ..right in my left ear. I kicked the door as hard as I could and twisted and twisted the handle until eventually I burst out of the cupboard, falling to my knees... This part is quite funny, but I had a pretend skull on a stick that I used for a Halloween costume one year. This was stored in the same cupboard, and as I fell to the floor, the stick fell with me, landing on my head and giving me a second fright. I think if I hadn't have started laughing, I'd have gone into complete shock. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about policy genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank account. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where policy genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how policy genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace. Or how their award-winning agents will walk you step-by-step through the entire process. But the best thing about policy genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to PolicyGenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's PolicyGenius.com. I was about nine years old when the delusions began. I call them that because that is what they've been labelled by people I've spoken to about this. I don't recall how or why these originated, but I had a recurring thought process that my parents, specifically my mum, well, I thought she was poisoning me. I want to state right now, before I say anything else, my mam was not and would never poison me. She was a great mam, and she took amazing care of me. But in my nine-year-old world, filled with fear and nightmares, I genuinely thought she was poisoning me. I eventually told her this, and she embraced me with a big hug and reassured me she would never do anything of the sort. So those thoughts dwindled away until they were replaced by another. At this age, when I started the night trying to sleep in my own bed, before inevitably getting up and going straight to my dad's room, I slept with the bedroom door open and the landing light on. This was so that my bedroom was dark enough for me to sleep, but I still had some light coming in, just in case I needed to go to the toilet or go and get a drink. My mind became growingly aware of the footsteps around the house, and I became fixated whenever I heard footsteps going up the stairs. One night... I heard footsteps that were irregular. They didn't sound like my mam's or my dad's. They were slower, more gradual. Like the person walking was being very careful. Very careful with how they distributed their weight on their feet. And with each step, I heard a deep, husky breath. The breathing would get louder, until it turned into a growl. I sat up in bed, my eyes so wide I thought they would pop out my head. I fully prepared to see some sort of monster or demon, but nothing. It just stopped. I didn't hear any more footsteps, not up nor down. It was as if whatever was walking up the stairs had vanished. About two minutes later, I recognised my mam's footsteps coming up the stairs. And although I was laying down, pretending to be asleep, I knew it was her. I immediately felt safer. Whatever was on those stairs clearly wasn't there any more. "'Similar encounters would happen fairly often, "'and eventually I learned to hide under the covers "'until the growling stopped. "'Fast forward to when I was about 11 "'and I'm just sitting on the sofa in my school uniform. "'It was just me and Dad in the house "'and he was shaving his beard upstairs "'and running himself a bath. "'And then he came downstairs "'and his face was cold. "'His eyes, still bright blue, "'just seemed darker somehow. "'Without saying a single word, "'he picked me up off the sofa "'and began to carry me upstairs. "'At first I started laughing, "'but when I looked at him, "'he was looking straight ahead, "'expressionless.' I said, ''Dad, where are you taking me?'' But he didn't reply. He headed straight for the bathroom and plonked me into the fully-ran bath. I was still fully dressed. I don't know if this was part of a joke or something, but as soon as I hit the water, he started to laugh. But when he saw how traumatised I was, he was his usual self. He got me out the bath immediately and hugged me as I cried. Again, I'd like to note my dad is the most loving, supportive and protective man on this entire earth. He would never do anything to hurt me. I don't think anyone on this planet loves me more than he does. Don't get me wrong, he was the type of dad that would pull silly pranks all the time. Despite this, and despite him insisting it was a joke, I will never forget that darkened, expressionless look he had on his face as he carried me up those stairs. It really did feel like he was momentarily possessed. Possessed by something. And being in that house at that time, it wouldn't surprise me. As a teenager, like many teenagers, I spent a lot of time in my bedroom. And my mam would always have to shout from the bottom of the stairs if she needed me. Or when tea was ready. Most of the time, I'd hear her. But sometimes if I had music on or something, she would have to resort to texting me. I was always on my phone, so this was sometimes an easier form of communication. One Saturday afternoon, I heard my mam shouting from downstairs. It sounded as though she was in the living room. I didn't know if I heard it for certain, so I paused what I was watching on my laptop and shouted back, "'Ma'am, did you just shout me?' No reply. So I pressed play on my video, and the same thing happened again. Only this time, she shouted back, "'Yes, come downstairs for me!' Being so lazy and occupied to do so, I shouted, "'Is it important, or can I just come down later?' to which I got no reply. By this point, I was getting a bit frustrated. So I text her. Why do you need me to come downstairs? I'm watching something. No reply. It was about ten minutes later, when I got a text on my phone, from my mam. It read, In town with Dad. Everything okay? I dropped my phone and sat up on my bed wondering whether to slam my door shut and barricade myself in my room or risk racing down the stairs and out of the front door before whatever was impersonating my mam could get to me. I decided to slam the door and called my mam straight away. I was in floods of tears and probably not making much sense but she and my dad got the next bus home immediately. They were genuinely concerned, but tried to make me feel better by saying things like, it's just your mind playing tricks on you, and, oh, I hear things in the house all the time. I appreciated their efforts, but none of it made me feel better. Naturally, I began researching this phenomena, and it is apparently a common thing for demons and malevolent entities to mimic a loved one's voice, as it's an easy way to manipulate people into doing certain things or going to certain places without suspicion. I feel very fortunate that I didn't follow that voice, and I dread to think what I could have faced if I did. Fast forward a few years and I'm now 16, and we get a visitor from Australia. They say they had a relative who used to live in this family home, back when it was first built. And they politely asked if they could have a look around. To me, this was totally bizarre, and I was so annoyed when my parents allowed these people in. I kept my distance whilst also watching their every move. I mean, after all, they were total strangers, and by that point I delved enough into true crime to know it's not wise to let strangers into your house. Nothing sinister occurred, and they were actually lovely people. Apparently their relatives moved from England to Australia decades ago, However, they wanted to visit a piece of their family history. They brought along a photograph of what our house used to look like, explaining that it was their relatives in the photo too. I still can't look at that photograph for long without feeling uncomfortable. You see, I feel like I know the people in the picture. And if I stare too long... At times, I have a yearning to be with them, as if I missed them or I belonged with them in some way. I can't help but feel like whatever entity was in my home was trying to create distance between me and my parents. It fed off my fears and managed to warp my mind into thinking my parents were trying to harm me. Something about these experiences make me feel as though this entity wanted me all to itself, without the interference of my parents. And that is petrifying. What you could call paranormal encounters, dependent on your viewpoint, happened quite often. And I've honestly lost track of how many little noises I've heard or how many moving shadows I've seen in my periphery. Nothing of importance seemed to happen, though, for many years. That was until 2018. Sadly, in 2018, my mum lost her battle to cancer and passed away. I just couldn't be in that house any more. It felt so empty and lost. My boyfriend, we'll call him Oliver, allowed me to move into his flat and it was a safe haven for me during the hardest part of my life. All was well until things started happening in his apartment at night. They all started when I arrived. Oliver has stood by the fact that during the two years he lived there alone, not one single paranormal occurrence happened. It started with the tap in the bathroom. I would be woken up in the middle of the night by a sound that I thought was heavy rain. The first time this happened, I remember looking out of the window to see the ground was dry, with not a drop of rain in sight. Confused, I woke up a little more and realized it was coming from inside the apartment. I went to the bathroom, and the hot tap had been turned on to its highest setting. The tap was so hot and had been running so long, it burnt my hand when I turned it off. The whole room was misted up, and within seconds, my hair and body was damp from the steam. I grabbed a towel, placed it over my hand, and switched off the tap. I then woke up Oliver, accusing him of leaving the tap on, moaning it would cost us a fortune having the hot tap on like that all night. What are you talking about? I'm not stupid. "'I'd never leave the hot tap on full belt like that. "'Anyways, we would have noticed it before we went to sleep,' said Oliver. "'Fair enough, I guess.' "'We came to the conclusion that somehow that tap had switched itself on through the night. "'This happened a total of six times in that apartment, all within the space of a few months.' "'Still to this day, we don't know how it was happening. "'Then there was the time when I woke up "'and the entire apartment was freezing cold. "'It felt and sounded like a storm was happening inside the flat. "'I rushed into the living room "'and I could hear the sounds of the wind gushing. "'I saw the balcony doors were wide open, not just one.' but both of them, wide open. The second door has to be secured with a latch that slotted into the bottom of the door frame. That meant it had to be manually lifted in order to open it. The blinds had been sucked out of the flat window and were all bent and broken and torn. I grabbed the blinds, locked the doors and shouted for Oliver. He will be the first to admit that I would never, ever go to sleep without quadruple-checking all the doors and windows were securely locked. And, just like the tap, we both have no idea how this could have happened. Both of us, however, have a strong gut feeling that this, whatever it is, is something paranormal. And it was working hard to gain our attention. The final physical paranormal encounter we experienced together was also in the middle of the night. We had this thin, cheap IKEA mirror that we stood up in the corner between the wall and the wardrobe. It weighed next to nothing, but was securely propped up before we went to sleep. Now, even when this mirror did move down to gravity or whatever... It was so light and the carpet was so soft, it would only gradually slide down the bedroom carpet. So quietly, you'd never even notice it. This night was not like that. Oliver and I were awoken by one of the loudest bangs we've ever heard. We genuinely thought someone had smashed the front door in, or that a firework had been set off outside the apartment window. But no, the mirror was face down on the floor. Not only had it fallen from its position, but it was pushed with such force that it created that noise. Given the weight of the thing, it almost defies physics. I even remember the slight whipping sound it made just before it hit the floor. That's the speed it was travelling at. Yet again... Whatever this thing was, wanted our attention. And now, it certainly had it. I remember screaming at the top of my lungs, Leave us alone! Just fucking leave us alone! What the fuck do you want? Our bedroom door opened about an inch, and then it slammed shut, shaking the walls of the bedroom. Well, I leapt into Oliver's arms and began sobbing. I just didn't know how much more of this I could take. The constant fear and terror, always feeling watched, feeling unwelcome, feeling like I was owned by something I couldn't see. That was the last physical paranormal encounter I ever had. But what was strange... Is Oliver and I began experiencing bouts of sleep paralysis. One night, Oliver had a dream where he thought I was in the bathroom whispering to myself. So he decided to open the door and see what I was doing. When he opened the door, he saw the most vile and sinister face of a woman smirking underneath wet locks of hair that smothered her face. Her face was wet and covered in dirt and she had a rotten smile and piercing eyes that burnt into Oliver's skull. That nightmare turned into sleep paralysis when he thought the creature had entered our bedroom and was slowly making its way to the other side of the bed towards me, whispering and laughing quietly to itself. He tried to move, but he couldn't. He tried to scream, but he couldn't. Finally, he was able to move, and he flung himself up in bed and took such a huge breath it woke me up. He told me he'd had an awful nightmare. But before he could say anything else, I already knew exactly what he'd saw in his dreams. I held his hand and I interrupted him. In your dream, did you go into the bathroom thinking I was in there? Were you following the whispers? What the fuck? said Oliver. Utterly bewildered. And did she look wet and evil? Black hair all over her face? She smiled at you, didn't she? Oliver didn't say a word. But the pale grey colour of his skin gave me my answer. I don't know how I know what he saw in his nightmares. Maybe it's because we are a very connected couple. A very close couple, so maybe our thoughts are just aligned somehow, I just don't know. But just as the face of this woman is branded in Oliver's mind, it too is branded in mine, without me ever having dreamt of it. Nothing has happened since. That doesn't mean I don't still constantly feel like I'm being watched, or that Oliver doesn't feel uncomfortable in the flat when he's alone. He regularly tells me that whenever I'm out of the house, he feels a sense of dread, as if the energy in the house is angry that I've left. Like I said, whatever this energy or entity is, It seems to want me all to itself. It's tried to turn me against my family by instilling a fear of them in me and I'm pretty certain it was trying its best to scare off Oliver with its middle-of-the-night antics. Maybe it's the lady who lost her child. Maybe she used to live there And her spirit remained at my family home. Perhaps she watched me grow up in her home. And decided perhaps I was hers. And she wanted me to herself. Maybe in her mind I was her daughter. Or maybe it's something completely different. Maybe I'm just mad. Maybe the reason why the paranormal is so unexplainably dark is because of the mystery. We will never truly know the causes and reasons for such experiences. All I do know is it's followed me my whole life. If I have any updates... Which I hope I don't. I'm ready to live in peace now. I will let you know. For now, I'm worried enough about what goes on in the real world to be scared of my hauntings in my home. Thank you for taking the time to read my experience and for giving people like me a platform to share things without fear of judgment or ridicule. I will always be a fan. Alicia. Well, Alicia, firstly, thank you for submitting your experience for our penultimate episode of Season 13. And, of course, thank you for your kind words at the end. Now, taking a look at your experience. Well, there are certain things in people's experiences that, for me, jump out and scream authenticity. And you have one of these things within your experience and it was a phrase that struck me immediately on reading it. There was a line that said, I was feeling like I was owned by something I couldn't even see. And I've put in bold and underlined, owned. In all of the seasons of doing this show, no one's described a feeling of being owned by an entity. It was such an interesting idea and concept that I had to underline it and address it at the end. For me, this is one of those authenticators. If you're making up a story, you wouldn't think to put that in, in my humble opinion, anyway. But Alicia, thank you so much for submitting your experience for the dark paranormal. Next week, we have, of course, our season finale. And believe me, you don't want to miss it. When an experience comes in that uproots your initial finale, you know it's got to be good. And I can't wait to share it with you next week for our final show of season 13 and indeed our final show of 2023. Don't forget, if you'd like early ad-free access to that finale... And, of course, access to The Dark bites Patreon-only shows, head over to patreon.com forward slash Paranormal. But for now, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next time, right here on The Dark Paranormal.